incoming transmission. Radio Rebellion. Welcome to the Rebellion, another episode of Radio Rebellion, a Star Wars podcast. What a week for Star Wars fans. I know you guys are excited, excited as I am, maybe even more. It's been a week, like they say, it's been a week. Uh, a lot of things dropped on Thursday that Disney investors called that I didn't have any expect expectations on. I tweeted out that oh, this is going to... My only expectation is nothing because I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. I thought if they're going to announce something big, something important, one of those big announcements was going to be the future of Star Wars. I thought they should make a bigger deal about this. It's not going to be an investor's call that no one really watches. We've been burned by those type of things before. But no, they dropped the hammer. Everything was there, the future of Disney+, Plus, the future movies, theatrical releases. It was an awesome experience. It was about 25 to 30 minutes of just Star Wars news. Man, it's so much. Um, I'm not going to be talking about it too much today. That's another hour and a half show that I don't have time for today. I wish I had because, yeah, that investor's goal, we, oh, man, that was cat. Let's just go over the sh everything that was announced real quick. The... What is it? Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka, the Cassian Andor, now titled the Andor Star Wars series, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, the Acolytes, uh, Bad Batch, what else? Um, the Taika Waititi movie, the Leslie Headland show, Acolyte, like I mentioned, Rogue Squadron. Again, it was a dump of, oh man, it's a beautiful evening that was on Thursday, but We'll talk about that at some point later on. Today, we're focusing on episode 15 of The Mandalorian. And then a little bit later, halfway through the show, we'll be talking about Return of the Jedi, of our final rewind of the original trilogy movies. As we start wrapping up our look back at, at all the Star Wars movies, wrapping up the 2020, the year in Star Wars, wrapping it up, and wrapping up our season two of Radio Rebellion coming to an end two weeks from now. So, like I mentioned today, we're talking about chapter 15 of The Mandalorian plus Return of the Jedi. Next week, it's the big Mandalorian finale. So all our episodes are just going to be dedicated to The Mandalorian. That's December 19th. And then December 26th, two Saturdays from today, will be our final show of the year. I final show of season two of Radio Rebellion. We're going to be talking um the sequel trilogy so we're gonna be focusing on force awakens the last jedi and rise of skywalker and that's gonna be our big finale in two weeks two weeks today we're talking mando another great episode and return of the jedi uh before i start i posted it on twitter a few days ago i want to say about a week ago uh, in the spirit of the season we're going to be doing a giveaway. So it's been tweeted out. We're going to be giving away a Grogu keychain for everyone out there that loves that little baby. 
maybe Grogu. We all like him. We all love him. We're gonna be giving a, doing a giveaway for that keychain in two weeks. Go find, go to my Twitter at Radio Rebel Pod. You'll find the instructions there. If not, I'll tweet them out later. I should put that as my pinned tweet, so it's easy to find. But basically, like that tweet, you'll get one entry. You retweet it, you get two entries. And if you subscribe to the Radio Rebellion YouTube channel, then you get three entries. If you're already subscribed, just like it or retweet, and you'll get three entries anyways. Final day for entries a week from today, basically that Friday before, Friday the 18th will be our last entry day, and then we'll do the reveal on our last show. So yeah, very excited to start talking Mandalorian, very excited to talk Revenge of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi, not Revenge, that was the original name. But before we start, as always here on Radio Rebellion, let's do a few things. If you're watching this, make sure you hit that like button, that thumbs up. Let me know, let us know that you guys enjoy the shows. I'm gonna see us keep going. Uh, leave a comment if you're watching this later on the replay. If you watch this now, make sure to send out in the chat, this live chat is what keeps the show going. I love talking to you guys. Come back later, leave us a comment. And if you're listening to this on the other podcast, when it comes out on Monday, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, wherever. Just leave us a rating and review them. We love reading those. So before we start, let me say hi to a few people. Our friend, our monkey lizard friend, Salacious Rom is here. As always, the monkey lizards, they're always, always excited. They're saying there's always... There's something there for everyone. You're completely right. I also tweeted, hey, Star Wars fatigue. No, 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 don't bring that. There's something in there for everyone. There's that droid show also, R2 and 3PO. There's animated shows. The Visions, which is an anime, Japanese manga, anime type of shows for di different directors and visionaries. That's going to be a great show. If you want for the adults and the dark side, you got the Acolytes, which is that mystery thriller. Cassian is a... Uh, Spy Thriller, Ahsoka for all the Jedi's and Rebels and Clone Wars fans. There's something for everyone that's coming out. It was a great show. And let me say hi to a new friend. Hi, Nicole. How are you doing? Nicole Marie, I love your avatar. I love that little chihuahua. So you're saying you're very excited for all the new series and movies. And yeah, giveaway. Make sure we'll be doing that giveaway. Who doesn't love Grogu? We all do. So I'll put your name in, Nicole, and we'll make sure. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you, you get it, and it will be awesome. And thank you, Salacious, for saying that you love our show. I love your music. You always drop some weird things. Not my type of music. I mostly rock and metal and stuff like that. But you do drop some cool beats always in the Salacious Room YouTube channel. So make sure that you're following him also and subscribe to it. Whew, as always, man, I get excited talking about Star Wars and just lose my breath too quick. But with that said, if you guys are ready, I know I'm ready. Let's talk Star Wars. The Mandalorian Reviews. So this week in Mando Reviews, we are doing our spoiler-heavy review of Chapter 15, The Believer. Oh, man, let me just admire that picture for a while. Scene? Man, Boba Fett, I love that guy so much. So I love Mandalorians in general. The Mandalorian culture is great. I'm not going to say that I know everything because I don't. I, I'm late on that Mandalorian train. I jumped on the bandwagon a little bit too late. Uh, Clone Wars and Rebels started getting me into the Mando culture. But I've always been a Boba Fett fan, as you know. I've say, say it almost every show, but just the armor. The armor itself is what draws people in. You can see behind me, I have two Boba Fetts. There's a Captain Phasma, First Order Trooper. Just that 
armor. It's so iconic, so cool to look at. And this season in The Mandalorian, starting with Bo-Katan, Koska, and Axe, seeing Mandalorian's live action, just the whole armor is so freaking awesome. And now Boba Fett last week, or with Cop Bantam episode one, Boba Fett last week with that tattered, all scratch up armor. Now this one, I don't know who's his paint guy, but oh man, it's, again, I tweeted a gif of, the, of him just walking out. It's, oh man, I can look at that for hours, which I have, and I'm sure you guys have also. So, Episode four, chapter, episode four? What am I talking about? I just got confused because I saw four new comments and let's say hi to a, to a few new people. Before we start that, Nicole is saying thank you. I'm Nicole from Peace Love Star Wars. Oh, Peace Love Star Wars. We gotta, thank you for showing us some love. We'll show some love right back to you guys. Man, that's what I love about this community. I know you go to Twitter, it seems like everything's falling apart, but no, Star Wars community, it's all love. It's all peace and love in Star Wars. And that's what we like to talk about here. We welcome everyone. And we talk about the things that we love in Star Wars. Why focus about what we don't like or the hate out there? We don't. But our friend, a good friend is here, Dale Erdman. For, forgive me, Master Alberto. Okay, let me read it. Let me see what you're going to be jumping on before I get to it. I was typing a question for Alex and Molly to explain I am late. Don't worry. Come on, Dale. I'm not going to be mad at you for being two minutes late when I usually start the show later, have some issues. I love having you here, Dale. And our good friend, Tony, Mr. Res, he's here, everyone. So it's going to be a great show. I can feel it already. I feel it in my bones. It's been two mi 10 minutes already. I'm smiling. I was a little bit down before I started. I don't know why. It's a little bit down. I was going through my notes of Return of the Jedi. And for some reason, I wasn't feeling the notes too much because I did them last week. So I'm not in that. I don't know. I'm here. We all, oh, man. It's awesome being with you guys. Like you said, Mr. Hi to Star Wars peeps. Just being with Star Wars peeps is awesome. All right. So chapter 15 of The Mandalorian, titled The Believer, directed and written by Rick Famuyima. He also directed episode two of season one, the one with the mud horn, and episode six, The Prisoner, which featured Bill Burr as Mix, May Mix Mayfield. And we also saw him here, a big part of this episode, basically stole the episode, stole the conversation. Everyone's been talking about his performance and most importantly, what his character did redemption-wise, but also moving Mando's journey for this season forward, which we'll get to it. Don't worry, we will get to it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, before you guys, you see, you see some of my new curtains? So I was uh, about two minutes late to starting this show, I think, or maybe not. My wife, lover, she gave me this about 10 minutes before I started the show, surprisingly with some new Star Wars curtains, a new light. You can see I'm a little bit shinier today, look a little bit better, so... Thank you to my beautiful wife, as always. You gotta, you gotta throw that in. All right, so I love Rick Famuyima, what he's doing in Star Wars. I'm not the first one to talk about this, and this is one thing. I love doing these shows on Saturday. It gives me time to gather my thoughts, see the episodes a few, a few more times, and make sure I get everything together. But in Star Wars, there's so much out there, YouTube channels, podcasts, and they're all great. They're tried on Fridays, Friday morning, evening, afternoon, late night, everyone's going with their thoughts, their hot takes, Twitter is everything. So a lot of times you get those, a lot of the same ideas that you have have already been shared. And it's sometimes difficult to say, ah, should I say that? Because other people have already said it. But it doesn't matter, we'll put our spin on it. But Rick Famuyima, what he's done in Star Wars universe, we've 
sang the praises of Bryce Dallas Howard and deservedly so. Uh, Deborah Chow getting what she did in season one and now what she's doing with Obi-Wan Kenobi with that series. I mean, we can't forget about Rick. Rick's done some awesome stuff in Star Wars, visually and storytelling wise. He didn't write that Mothorn episode, but he did that teleplay for that Prisoners episode, which was one of my favorites of season one. I know a lot of people didn't like it too much because it's, it took a pause from what was going on in the season to go on this separate mission, but it moves forward Din Djarin's story in making him, he's the prisoner of his past as a bounty hunter, now moving away from that into a Mandalorian. At that point, now he's breaking away from what he's been indoctrinated, you can say, of being a Mandalorian to where he's now. And of course, we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. But it's all because of Rick, his great writing. He understands the characters, understands the world of Star Wars, Slave One and that seismic charge. Come on, man. So Rick, again, I'm not the first one saying this. Rick Famuyima deserves either a whole series that he can direct, um, a movie or something, or just keep him more episodes and more episodes. Um, I know that one of the things that was announced in that Disney Investors called not Star Wars related. It's a movie I think that he's going to be involved in. I think he's directing. Maybe that's the first step. And then he's already in the Disney family, jump in, do a Star Wars movie, a Star Wars TV show. It's something. Thank you, Sal Salacious Rome. Yeah, they are cool curtains. They used to have Star Wars curtains growing up 20, 20, 37 years, 47, 40 years ago. And now I'm back with some cool Star Wars curtains. Dale, you're dreaming of a Calca Tarn story, a stormtrooper. Here's a girl who's called. He becomes a new Jedi searching for Luke and Ahsoka. I mean, there's a oh, man. There's, there, there's so much. Yeah. I know that that's you, Dale, but we like having you here. You're, you're one of our staples. I love when you when you're on the show. So the point of this episode, it was it was last episode when Mando went back to Navarro. He met with New Republic Marshal Dune. And hey, I need you need you to tell me where Mix Mayfield is. I need him to crack him out of prison because I need him to help me find Moff Gideon's light cruiser. They got the kid. That's the only thing he needed to say. Okay, we're on it. So they go to this planet, which I sorry I forgot the name, and it's a prison, a scrapyard. They what did a the Carthon Chopfield? Sorry, I did went back and wrote down the name. The Carthon Chopfields, which reminded me for some reason if you read the Alphabet Squadron novel by Alexander Freed, where they meet the protagonist of that movie, Eureka Quell, they meet her in this place called. Traitor's Remorse, which is where all the defectors from the Empire, all the prisoners that they've taken after the fall of the death of the second Death Star, they have in this basically prison labor camp. And that's what this reminded me of, of Alphabet Squadron, just, yeah, the New Republic, they're here to help us, they're prison the galaxy, right? Well, if you were Empire, you're in a prison labor camp, basically working in this TIE fighter scrap heap. You have this New Republic droids that don't take any crap, uh prisoner what was his name inmate three four six six seven you have three seconds to comply with your new directives and then lights the charge stick or whatever ready to beat him upside the head so yeah new republic you're here to help everyone maybe not which comes back to something that mayfield says later in the episode so we made again new republic marshal caradun which is setting up that Ranger series. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it because of the things with Gina Carano, some of her comments and her views. 
But at least right now, it depends how the season ends and what Disney Lucasfilm depends to do once or the afterwards. And they can go 20 different ways. But the way that season is going right now, it seems like they're pushing that that was going to be the series. It's going to be part of these new the Rangers of the New Republic, which sounds cool. Sounds like a cool episode. Last time we heard, I forgot the X-Wing's name, Teva. Uh, he goes, hey, the people in the core, the New Republic, they don't know. They don't believe what's going out here in the in the outskirts, in the outer rim. So they need those New Republic Rangers to keep the peace or I don't know, whatever. So we'll see. So she goes there. She tells Mix, hey, we need you. And she's, he's like, oh, it's common courtesy to tell people where you're taking them. And then who does he see coming down the ramp? That he stops for a second. First in the background, we see Slave One, which, oh man, seeing Slave One is just, but he starts walking and then who's coming down the, this is this guy. Look at my boy, Boba Fett with his new, brand new armor, all shiny. He went to somewhere to get it buffed off, new paint. I love his paint guy. It's probably the same guy that he gets the, the rockets for his jetpack because I don't know where they keep getting those rockets. Probably he has some extra rockets in Slave One. But that armor, the paint job, the black underneath, I know we all like the scruffed off, scratched off one. But come on, if Dean Jaren has his brand new shiny Beskar armor, Matt, uh, Boba needs his. Oh man, I gotta put this. That looks so awesome. I, I need that out of, as a figure, a poster, uh, whatever. More curtains with that paint job. Boba Fett, you keep impressing me, even though it doesn't feel like it's possible. But he's there, makes a, oh, oh whew, I think it was the other guy. Mando comes down that ramp. He looks awesome. He's basically, hey, they took the kid. No, then this is where he's basically saying, why do I need to help you? Are you here to kill me? And then, sorry, I'm looking for something. Oh, whatever. Before that, so they get on the ship, which I love seeing the inner workings of Slave One, right? We know how it turns for it to blast off. So I love when they got in, I can see all the gears turning as it's starting to rotate and then push off. And he has, hey, okay, what do you guys need me for? I need you to break us into an Imperial base. We need to find where Moff Gideon's cruiser is. And he's like, no, 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 Moff Gideon, not dealing with that. Then Kara says, they have his kid. And this is where, so we've all said it. It's no secret, we're not breaking grounds here, saying that all fans have said, especially this season, that that's Dean Jaren's kid. Grogu is his child, is his son. We know that he hasn't admitted it yet. He's still, hey, I need to take you to the Jedi. They're going to train you. You need to go with them when they, when they come for you. Trying to make that separation of oh, work together, but you're still just a job. In this episode, they went, no, no, no. Everyone's calling him your kid now. So now it's a reality, not just for us, but for the characters. So we have Cara Dune saying they took his kid or they have his kid. Then later in the episode, Mando says, if we don't get those coordinates, I lose the kid forever. Come on, that's not a job. I lose the kid forever. And then at the end, Mayfield tells him, good luck getting your kid back. Again, this is, again, a father and son show. That's his kid. And that's why the end, 
the end with Moff Gideon hits a lot harder. It's not just him repeating what Moff Gideon said on season one. Oh, because it's a cool trope to repeat what the bad guy said. There's a reason he said it, and there is it's a different meaning behind it. Um, so yeah, so Mayfield says, okay, there's a place called Morak, which is a secret Imperial mining facility. And there's some data terminals there. I need to get there so I can access the terminals and then go find the kid, find where Moff Gideon is, and we'll see. There you say, I died in the passenger pod rotates. Again, it was those things that you don't think about. I love Slave 1, one of my favorite. I have it somewhere. I got a couple Slave 1s. I never thought how it looks from the inside. Just, oh, man. It's, yeah, Nicole, you're, say, you're right. Grogu has stolen our hearts, including Mayfield. Yeah, that's a, and, the, and that's episode. It was, oh, it's this, how do you make this with Shean? Who's there? Is that your pet? And I know, go, go. You need to get your kid back. Good luck getting your kid, kid back. And another thing about Mayfield, we're going to be talking about in a second, but. Um, so yeah, let's go to Morak. We need to infiltrate that facility. It's a Rhydonium? What is it? Rhydonium refinery. So what the hell is that? We don't know. It's a new mineral. I thought it was going to be coaxium, but no, they have Rhydonium over there. So they scope out the place and they say, okay, we need to get in. Who's going with you? So it can be Karadun because she's a, a rebellion jump trooper. They're going to recognize her as soon as she goes in and then it's guns out. Um, all right, Fennec Shan, you go, go in. No, I'm wanted by the ISB. I'll be recognized also. All right, Fed, it's your turn, Boba. I think they'll recognize, they might recognize my face. It's a great callback. If you don't know what he's talking about, that's fine. He's a bounty hunter. People know him. You know what that is. It's clones. Everyone's over there. It's a stormtrooper. They might recognize his face. A great shot. It's a great callback, great fan service, but also a very funny comment. That's not made to be funny, but it's but it's funny anyway. I got you, Dale. Um, so yeah, so this is how, so Mando says he grabs his scope, he hits the side of his helmet, he sees inside, he sees a tank trooper from Rogue One from yeah, from Rogue One and Scarif. I mean from Jeddah, tank trooper, just a little bit that steel color. I said, no, nah, I'm going in and they won't see my I won't be showing my face. As soon as they shot, they saw they showed that shot of the driver with the helmet. All right, he's going in, he's gonna be dressing Imperial Trooper Guard, which then is a great Star Wars trope. The heroes dressing up, dressing up as stormtroopers or Imperials to infiltrate, infiltrate a facility. Uh, and you hope is when we see the, saw this first in movies. We saw it in Rogue One also with Cassian Andor and Jyn Erso. But most recently, and the one that we almost every episode it was Rebels. I said it a few weeks ago. The episode two, I guess, or three, two with. Frog ladies felt like a rebels episode. We need to stop our mission to help someone in distress. That was a complete rebels episode. This felt like a rebels, not a rebels episode, but a rebels section when Ezra and someone else has to dress up in stormtrooper armor to infiltrate an imperial facility. Great seeing that. I love seeing Dean in the scout trooper armor. I mean, in the tank trooper armor. And then, and this is where it starts. This is when Mayfield's and Dean Jaren's conversation and their clash of culture and moving his story forward comes to a head. Because what I love about Star Wars in general, but what I love also about The Mandalorian, 
We've said it before how the episode names have different meanings. You can take the prisoner, for example, for other, they have to go to this prison ship and rescue some prisoners. Pretty straightforward. No, it's about Dean Jaren being a prisoner of his past and blah, 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 it keeps going. So you can do that with most episodes of The Mandalorian. And this one right there, The Believer, is it uh, Mix Mayfield being a believer of changing his past from being an imperial trooper to confronting his past and believing that there's something more out there than being, be, being this bad guy, just doing jobs to survive? Or is it more about Dean Jaren's identity as a Mandalorian and believing that there's more out there to what he has been thought to believe or has been implanted in his brain since he, since he was rescued by the Death Watch? We talked about this a few weeks ago. Season one was about him, that identity clash of being a bounty hunter. No, you're a Mandalorian. There's This is the way of the Mandalore. These are the steps to be a true Mandalorian. He figuring that out, I'm not a bounty hunter, I'm a Mandalorian. And this season being about his identity in the Mando culture and what does that mean? It's not just what you were thought to be, it's what you were indoctrinated with. This is another whole side that you have no idea. You need to believe that there is something else. And that's what this, at least that's what I took up from is him believing all the other stuff that he's out there for the first time, listening to all different voices and opinions and, and figuring out what's real, basically. So again, like I said, this is where it starts. He gets dressed up in Imperial Stormtrooper. And this is the first dig, the first dig that makes Mayfield gives him. Oh, what would they say on Mandalore? Oh, the shame of him, because we know Empire went to Mandalore, took over the planet, killed everyone over there, the Great Purge and all that stuff. And now you're dressing Imperial Stormtrooper armor. What? Oh, the shame. What would Mandalore say? So that's the first day at Dean Jarrett and his beliefs. So from then they go, there's... They take over this tank, basically. It's called a Juggernaut. And they have to infiltrate the facility. Uh, Mix is just going. He, he likes to talk. So he's talking and Mando's ignoring. I don't want anything to do with you. We're not the same. And that comes in later. So I'm going to take a little drink. You know, I get, I talk real quick sometimes when I need to get. All right. So, whew. so yeah, so they get on the tank. They start driving. They're taking this right down into the refinery. And then Mayfield is just talking. He's talking about Empire, New Republic. It's all the same to these people. They walk by this village, people just suffering. Reminded me of, I forget the name of the season one where they meet Omera or that place. Yeah, a village just trying to survive, but people are coming to destroy. So this village is just there, just trying to survive the empire. So it's like, we're not, we're all the same empire, New Republic, we're all the same to these people. We're invaders in their lands, is all we are. Which that's been another, big emphasis this season. Also, we talk about it on episode one, where talking about the Tusken Raiders. Uh, first, we see this in Solo, a Star Wars story, when they're in Min Ban, and oh, we're trying to bring peace and prosperity. And then Solo says, oh, it's their planet. We're the invaders or something. We saw it again, Tusken Raiders. They're just trying to live on Tatooine. They're, it's their land. We're invading. And then we see here again, we're invaders today. We come, we take over. It doesn't matter if we're Imperial. If we're New Republic, that's it doesn't matter to them. We're taking over. They, yeah, that conversation, the tank was 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 great. 
Omera Wascarai, I think she'll be back. That's what you're saying there. We'll see. We got one episode. We'll try to we'll try to get our thoughts together for what might happen next week. Then so they keep talking, and then Mayfield says, somewhere in the galaxy, someone is ruling and someone is being ruled over. Or yeah, someone is being ruled over, which reminded me of DJ in The Last Jedi when he's telling Finn, good guys, bad guys. It's all the same coin. It's all the same gears. It doesn't matter. Today we're on top. Tomorrow will be them. It's all a game. Don't, stay free. Don't don't join. Right? A great sentiment, I think, for that character. A lot of people had some issues with him. But I think what he's saying is right. When someone's on top, someone else is suffering. So Empire, New Republic, they're all fighting for freedom in their own ways. But in the middle... When the bottom, it's someone that doesn't see it that way. And that comes to a head also at the end with the Imperial officer that they meet in that mess hall. Then Mayfield says, we're the same. We're survivors just doing what we can to go to sleep at night. And Mando's like, get this straight. We're nothing alike. And here comes the second dig. It's when he says, to me, your rules starts to change when you get desperate. And that's that second dig. You believe by this Mandalorian creed, but when things are not going your way, rules change real quick. We can say that about real life. Again, Star Wars, Star Wars and real life, it's it's all there. Yeah, it's a movie, it's space. You can apply so much, so many of those Star Wars themes to real life, but that's that second day. You live by this Mando code, but when things don't go your way, you change rules real fast. Look at you now, dressing in Imperial armor when you weren't supposed to be taking your helmet off. That's gonna be the third day coming up. Then he says, you were born on Mandalore, you believe one thing. People that were bor born on Alderaan, they believe something else. And you know what? Both both of them are gone. Alderaan exploded, Mando has been Mandalore has been taken over. So again, it's this system systemic belief of how, how you're raised, uh, religion, no religion, in your household, everyone has different sets of belief. And that's where you create your own story of what's right, what's wrong, who's should be leading and who's not and that's that third day yeah you grew up in mandalore or in the mandalorian culture believing one thing this other planet believes something else completely different peaceful on alderaan war on mandalore where did it take you nowhere it's all the same another dig all those beliefs that you have are they really what they're supposed to be so how oh, mix Again, kudos to Bill Burr and his acting chops, acting talent for this episode. Um, I know a few things came came out a few days ago about some of his comedy and some of the things he talked about, demeaning certain people, uh, beliefs and stuff like that. Again, we try to keep that out when we're talking about the shows. We try to just focus on the characters. But if we're just talking about the episode, he, he did a great, a great job, again, Kudos again to Rick Famuyima writing this episode. Star Wars, it's those character moments. We love the light side, dark side, lightsaber battles, spaceship battles, the force, all the things about the force. But it's, it's those characters moment, character moments is what elevates this from just a, just an action show to no, it's something more. It's really important. It's, oh, I can't even, I don't have words. Words difficult when Star Wars takes over. Um, so yeah, so Mando, like I said, he was raised on a system of belief that's slowly crumbling around him. He's being challenged by Bo-Katan, 
you believe one thing you were raised by children of the watch from the night watch or children of the watch religious sellers to believe that they're trying to bring the old ways of mandalore and that's what you believe that's not the way um at the end of that episode uh your bravery will not be forgotten that is the way we need the dog saver because it was mine i need to do what it what uh, i need to to get it but trusting mandalorians believing in each other and doing the right thing that's that is the way so it's been challenged once already I say that he was challenged last week by Boba Fett when Boba Fett Mando goes, all right, you got your armor, you're Mandalorian, you're free to go. And there he and Fennec are like, no, 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 we made it a deal. Until the child is safe, we're, we have a debt. So we're staying with you till we get that child back. That hit, that had to hit Mando hard, knowing that Boba Fett is just a, a used to be, just a bounty hunter. Caring, caring about himself, Fennec Shan is another bounty hunter just in it for the money. No, no, we're staying to help you. So he has to be challenged there. And then of all people, Mix Mayfield is challenging him again and all that he's been brought up to believe coming from three characters that he just met and each one slowly digging, slowly digging at that system of belief that might not be the right one. And again, it's Star Wars. It's from a certain point of view. So again, this episode can just be viewed surface level as a great action episode that moved the story forward they got the, the coordinates so next episode is going to be great but when you start seeing all the layers that's where star wars hits you that's why it's been in the forefront of entertainment for 40 years because all those layers are underneath so all right so after that 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 last dig here it comes Mix goes and said, you said you couldn't take your helmet off and now you're wearing a Stormtrooper helmet. So what is it? You can't take off your Mando helmet or you can't show your face because there's a difference. And Mando has no, he doesn't have a comeback. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to believe at that point because he doesn't know. He's been led to believe, have you removed your helmet in front of, in front of anyone? Has your helmet been removed by someone? No, this is the way. So what is it? You can remove your Mando helmet or people can show you, or you can show your face to people. He doesn't know. So at that point, he's been hit by four things, tearing his system of belief down by an ex-criminal that he tried to kill a few weeks ago, months or a year. I don't know how long it's been, but oh man, that, that scene, again, it's... I, Awesome. Again, what Mando is going through this season, yes, all the Grogu stuff is great. He's got to find him, take him to the Jedi. We get Ahsoka, we got Boba Fett, but the story of Din Djarin, which is the heart, of course, with Grogu stuff, but it's the heart of the character of the show. Oh, man, it's those, again, those layers. You can see it one way, but when you start analyzing, it goes deeper and deeper. Okay, so before we move on, so we're talking about Daly saying that he doesn't think that Omera, Omera will be showing up this season, but then becomes Mandalore <laughs> at the end of the of the series, he's saying then becomes Mandalore, the ruler of Mandalore, and she's his wifey, maybe. A lot of people are saying that, that he might go back to Omera. He's not, he was going to let her take that helmet off. So... Who knows? Will be will be fun. I still don't think that he'll be the one with the dark saber at the end, at least of this season. But we'll see. All right. So then, all those juggernauts, all those tanks start exploding. I'm thinking, is that right, Donnie? It's getting too too hot. It's exploding. No, it's pirates. They're attacking the ships or those tanks, 
Then I started to think, are they really pirates? I know Dean said that they're pirates, but pirates steal stuff, right? They take over ships, they steal something, and they go on their way. They're not stealing the Rhydonium. They're not stealing anything. They're just blowing it up. So are they just native to Morak, and they are just trying to hit the empire where it hurts them by destroying the, the minerals that they've taken? They might just be pirates. Who knows? I love their little swoop bikes. Reminded me of Enfist Nest and the, and the Marauders. Again, there a lot of callbacks to Rogue One a little bit. Also with Short Troopers. Reminded me of Mean Band from Solo. And then Solo again with Enfist Nest. Those swoop bikes reminded me of. And then we have a great, a great battle on top of that. Juggernaut Mando. It's the first time I was going to tweet it out. It's, First time that we finally see someone in a stormtrooper armor kicking butt, right? We always see stormtrooper getting defeated. They don't hit anyone here. Mando in that tank trooper armor is kicking pirate as knocking everyone off the train. I mean, off the tank, they're hitting the wheels. They're getting run over. And then I love Mando's. He loves his best car armor so much that he forgot, forgot that he's not wearing it. When that pirate goes over, he tries to block a couple of shots with his armor. Again, that plastic steel that made from the, the plastic steel that the stormtrooper armor is made of is not best car. So he gets hit a couple of times. It did hurt him. Throws everyone off, starts shooting at them, blasting everyone. Gone. I mean, the blaster runs out of charge. He throws a spear, goes flying. Two more coming. Two more of those pirate gangs. He does what he can. They try to put a, a charge. Oh, they're trying to blow the blow up the Rhydonium. You think? Of course. Throws him out of the throws him out. Throws the charge. Two of them blow up. Okay, we got it. We got like five more coming. And then this is when you start. Okay, so what's gonna happen? How are they gonna get up, get away from that from this? I thought Boba Fett was gonna come in and slave one to save him. But no. TIE fighters. We saw those green shots coming in, and you know it. Then you hear the TIE fighters. They're blowing everything up, and we start celebrating and rooting for the Empire. It's the first time that we've been in favor of the Empire. We've rooted for the Empire, and it was great seeing that. It was just great seeing all these stormtroopers came out of the barracks of that refinery, short troopers, which are my favorite stormtrooper look. Regular stormtroopers, they didn't miss a shot for the first time. They shoot all the pirates, the TIE fighters go. Everyone's clapping and yelling and saluting them as they go in. And then it shows you that a show from the Empire's side, if done properly, can work. It's always, we always see the heroes from the rebellion. There has to be heroes from the Empire if that's your faction. And I love seeing that we can be empathetic and we all, yeah, TIE fighters, they, got, they saved the day. And I hope we see this in the Andor series. I don't just want to be to see the beginnings of the revolution, like they said in that great teaser, but I want to see it inside from the Imperials, how they're facing the day-to-day -day challenges of building a new empire, although they've been built for 20 years, but dealing with the rebellion. So I want to see both sides. And I think this episode did a good job in showing us that it can happen. <sighs> All right, so... All right, let me see. Real quick, Dale, our friend Dale is saying that he thinks that Bo-Katan will possibly die. Her motives being a little too selfish and vengeful, and she condones, condones Dean's leadership qualities to become Mandalore. 
Uh, maybe. I'm on a different side. I think I said it last week. I think Boba Fett is the one that, unfortunately, calls it, calls it quit this season. I know he was brought in and everyone loves him, deservingly so. But I think Boba Fett will be the one going. Uh, but yeah, Bo-Katan, a lot of people are saying that Bo-Katan might be the one to to die, unfortunately, by Moff Gideon. So so we'll, we'll see. Nicole is on board. She she likes the way that they all things. We all like the way that they all things. And Nicole is also adding, I hope we see Bo-Katan in the final because we know she's going after Moff Gideon for the, that dog saver. 100%. That's, I said it's going to be Dean Jarvin, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, Cara Dune, probably. Maybe she goes back after this. And Bo-Katan has to be there. She's there for the dog saver. She's the one that made the most most sense to come this season of all those guests. She's the, she has to be there in the finale. She has to. I really hope that she's there. All right. So they go into the Imperial facility. Everyone's celebrating. And they have to go to the mess hall, to the officer's mess hall. There's a data terminal there. That's where we need to get the coordinates. But when Mix is going to go in, he sees his old Imperial officer his commanding officer, Valin Hess. He said, oh, I can go in, he might recognize me. And that terminal does facial recognition. So sorry, it's done, we gotta head out of here. And this is when Dean says, oh, if I don't get those coordinates, I'm, I'll lose the kids forever. And he's like, oh, no, that's not gonna happen. All right, let me say hi to, to our friend. She's always here, we always love when she's here. Natalie from Force of Light Entertainment. Entertainment. Hey everybody, hi Natalie, how are you doing? Thanks for being here. Sorry to miss your show this morning. I know you guys did a live stream at 11, talking also about The Mandalorian. I missed that. I'll check it later. And I believe you guys yesterday released an episode talking about all the new shows and movies that were announced a few days ago. So make sure to check that out, guys. All right. So mixed Mayfield tells Dean, hey, it's facial recognition, so we'll have to take your helmet off. And I'm thinking, and he goes, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Just a funny comment. So it's facial recognition, but it's not to identify the person. It's just to know that there's a human behind it. And I started to think it makes sense, right? These droids go everywhere. Every time that a uh, rebel fighter, a resistant fighter, or someone needs something, they send in a droid, plugs into these universal terminals. All the Imperial terminals have the same port. A droid goes in, plugs in for 20 seconds, and has the whole design of the whole Imperial base. So here on Morak, they said, no, 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 no. We're done with that. It has to be a human. So this is like when you go into a website, before you put your information in, they ask you, are you a robot? That recapture, you got to check off, mark every street light that you see. So that's the imperial version of a recapture are you a robot so they do facial recognition yeah you're a human you can access this you can access the terminal so mando says i gotta do this just give, give me the data stick because i gotta save the kid he goes in with the helmet we don't recognize this so you got five seconds or ten seconds to recalibrate or whatever he takes the helmet off man and like everyone i'm at all. I thought he was, I don't know. I wasn't sure what he was going to do. Takes his helmet off, scan their face, okay, facial recognition or what, accept or whatever. He plugs in the stick. And you can see that dread on, in his face. Again, all his belief. We just talked about it a few minutes ago. Mayfield told him, is it that you can take your Mando helmet off or you can show people your face? The things we do for the people we love, right? 
for, I don't know how, for 40 years or 45 years, Dean Jaren has said to believe that he can take his helmet off for no one, no matter what. Two episodes ago, he wasn't taking his helmet off in front of Grogu to drink that little soup. He just lifts it to his chin, drinks, put it back down. He's at a point now that he's taking his helmet off in front of strangers in an imperial facility because that's the only way that he'll be able to get his child back. So I can understand that sense of dread and Pedro Pascal give it up for the guy. That acting, the emotion he saw, he had on his face, that whole scene. Then when Valin Hess approaches and starts calling him out, and he he closes his eyes for a second, then turns because okay, I have to I have to do this. They had oh brown eyes, okay. Now everyone loves oh we just call him brown eyes. So every people out there with brown eyes that have always said oh there I'm jealous of people with blue color eyes or green eyes or hazel eyes. Don't worry, you got Mando now. You got Din Djarin. Brown eyes is the new it's the new thing out there. And then all right. Conversation over drinks. We had a great conversation in that juggernaut tank, and the conversation in this bar was awesome. I know a lot of people are comparing it to Inglorious Bastard, and I understand why. To me, had that feel a little bit at the beginning, because some of the questions that Valin Hess was asking, asking Brownhouse, what's your name or where you're from, trying to dig, trying to find that out. So understand that it has that Inglorious Bastard feel from the beginning. To me, it felt something different because then it switches to Migs asking, hey, let's talk about Operation Cinder, which is another, if you're a fan of the books and the novels and the game, we hear Operation Cinder, the Emperor's contingency plan, come on, meshing everything together. So you're right, Natalie. Brown eyes are beautiful. Yeah. All right, and then, yes. Mando taking his mask off was very vulnerable and shows how important Grogu is to him, correct? 100% Natalie, you're right. And Dale adding totally, to totally vulnerable look on his face. Yeah. So that scene, it's so tense, right? That scene, those, that conversation over drinks, very Western. Everything here is a Western trope, a Western homage of sitting in a saloon drinking that last beer before you have to do a shootout. So that's what this felt like. Everyone just putting their cards on the table. Mixed Mayfield, yeah, Operation Cinder. I was there, I served under you. Five to 10,000 people died. My comrades, the family, the people there that died. Oh, sacrifices, heroes to the empire. Like Krennic said to, to Urso in Rogue One. Oh, you'll be welcome as heroes to the empire. You have to start somehow. Again, that's the only way the Empire sees it. Sees it. You sacrifice yourself for the greater good, which is the Empire. He starts losing it. Here's PTSD. He knows that he did something wrong, and that's why he defected, being part of Operation Cinder, which I've learned of Operation Cinder because of the Alphabet Squadron books. Again, because Eureka Quell was part of Operation Cinder, Pandem Nye. She defected from the Empire after they just destroyed a whole city and a whole planet because they didn't want to lose. He, she couldn't deal with it anymore, and she bolted. Same way that Mix Mayfield was part of the Empire. He was part of Operation Cinder, where tens of thousands of people died. And he said, no, no, no. This isn't a good fight, right? Like he said, whatever lets you sleep at night, that's what you need to do. He bolted. But he brings this up, because he knows that he took those orders from Valin Hess, and he's just loving it. Hess is just, yeah, we killed all those people. Look at them now, just begging for our help or something like that. 
so then when he says, yeah, heroes to the empire makes go, yeah, was it good for them? Was it good for my comrades, their families, the civilians fighting for freedom? It was, I don't think it was good for them. And then Hess goes, yeah, yeah, whatever. What are you getting at? We're using this Rhydonium to create chaos so they can come running back to the empire because the new Republic is in disarray. They don't know what they're doing. Everyone wants to come back to us. And that's when he says, no, nah, I'm done. And you can see him, man, I love because of all people, of all people, Dean Jaren is looking at him going like, don't do it. Don't, do, I know what you're doing. Don't, don't go down that path. The dark side is a path you can't come back from. And Mix is just there. He's rocking back and forth. You can see the anguish in his face, relieving all those, all those emotions from back then. And the guy across from him that was in charge of him doing these atrocities, so he's just, loving it and saying yeah we're gonna do even worse because he, he said okay done boom you're dead and i love again this episode which was very serious has a, had a lot of comedic moments and when he kills valin ness the camera turns and behind mando there's just a stormtrooper a short trooper holding his tray with a little drink they're like uh what did i just walk into blast them they the big shootout going out they just try to get outside then you have caradun and fennec shan just sniping people from the rooftops and i was expecting this i love lord of the rings right so i was expecting this competition very similar to legolas and gimli counting how many people how many orcs they killed oh um, 22 oh that only counts as one so i was expecting something like that with the two of them just sniping people well no they didn't play it that way so they get out uh, Boba Fett comes in Slave 1, picks them up. I thought this is where the seismic charge was seismic charge was going to come to blow up the refinery, but now they start flying away. Then makes us for that rifle. I forget the name that he says. And again, in that first episode last season, when episode 6 of last season, he's uh, he used to be a sniper for the Empire, so you know he's a good shot. He's there, lefty, blows it up. and said, yeah, that wasn't part of the plan. And he says, yeah, whatever lets you sleep at night. All right, so the hero saved the day. Starts flying off. No, here we go. Tie fighters. So two tie fighters going after Slave One. He said, "Okay, hold on." He jukes them. They're falling off inside Slave One because there's no seat belts in Star Wars. And then they start, he starts flying, out, and I'm ready. Okay, here we go. He's just gonna start shooting everyone like he did to Obi Wan in Attack of the Clones. Just the the blasters or the guns at the front. But now, beep boop. He's a few buttons, and that compartment opens on the back and you can see that seismic seismic charge there i like oh, here we go here we go i told my kids and my wife just they saw me and said what, what what's happening i said just listen just listen seismic, seismic charge goes down Doom. oh man that sound that sound man i love it love it love it slave one you need that seismic charge they did it thank you there's nothing else i can say Whew. All right, let me take, now let me finish this up. So yeah, you're right. Natalie Mayfield was awesome in this episode. Is it redemption? Maybe is it forgiving someone for their past sins? Might That might be redemption, I don't know. Because this is a character that we just met once. We know they're bounty hunters and he was there when they killed the New Republic officer, he didn't kill them, kill him, but he's part of it. So how, anyway, it's a great episode, a great way to turn a character around. So then, 
they let him go, okay, you did great, whatever lets you sleep at night, you have to take something off your chest, like he tells Cara Dune, and she's like, okay, it's un unfortunate that Nix Mayfield, prisoner 34667 died in Morag, so, all right, you're free to go. Wouldn't surprise me if he shows up in the Rangers of the New Republic series. He might be a new recruit. He might be like Cop Vant was for Moss Pelgo in Tatooine. He might be the new marshal or something for this little town in Morak. There's no way he's getting out there right now. I don't think those people have any starships for him to leave. So he might just become part of this community of this. Yeah, that community there helped it build up redeems himself a little more and then becomes part of the rangers of the outer rim so we'll see it's all right moff gideon so here we go yeah we'll see i know someone else was saying that also as a supporting character supporting performance in a tv series nicole is saying bill burr's performance as mayfield mayfield was amazing definitely emmy worth and natalie's agreeing with her Quite possibly. All right, so we get to Moff Gideon. Hey, you gotta see this. Oh man, what does he have to see? That guy over there, the message to Moff Gideon. And I'm just admiring this show because holograms are awesome in Star Wars and seeing Dean Jaren in it, in one, it's something I never thought I was gonna see. But then I love this because I'm not a fan of a hero repeating the villain's phrases back to him as a ha ha ha, I got you. I really don't like that. It's just too cheesy for me. Even in one of the books I wrote, um, at Astra, the Across the Horizon at Astra, I make a joke about it. But the way here it works, and it's just be not because I'm a Star Wars shield, and if you wanna call me a Star Wars shield, uh, shield I I'll take it. But the reason it works here, so the, there's two phrases that Mando says back to Moff Gideon that he had said to him on season one. You think you, you, think you have some idea of what you possess, but you do not. Back then, Moff Gideon is talking about his powers, his force sensitive he has a lot of his connection with the force is great so you don't know what you have you think you know but you don't that's him i'm just talking about his power Dean jaren no that's my son you think you have an idea what you have in your possession but you do not you have my son this is the whole taken i'm liam neeson now qui-gon jean yeah that's a, that's that's me now and then it's he means more to me and he pauses it's not the whole he means more to me that you'll ever know that you will ever know again that's a parent saying that kid that you have that you're gonna use for whatever he means more to me than you will ever know and this is mando dinjarin for the first time accepting and saying that drogo is his son and his child and i will do whatever i need to do to keep him safe this is that moment where again for moff gideon i will do whatever i he means more to me than you will ever know for Moff Gideon is I need him to create more power because the Emperor needs midi-chlorians for cloning or whatever it is. So he means more to me than you will ever know. For Dean Jaren, it's not repeating the same thing because, haha, it's funny, now I have the upper hand. Because it has, it has a totally different meaning because that's my son, that's my child. He means more to me than you will ever know. And it's on now. I tweeted this out yesterday in season one from... 
we hear from the armorer. She said, to walk the way of the Mandalore is to be both hunter and prey. This is the way. So this whole season, Din Djarin has been the prey. Everyone has been chasing him. Everyone, everyone wants him and Grogu, and he's been the prey. Right now, he's back as the hunter. I'm done being the prey. I'm done running. I'm chasing you, chasing you now. I'm the hunter. I'm coming after you. And you can see him. Moff Gideon wasn't happy. He's, he wasn't like, oh, yeah, we'll be ready. No, he was, uh oh, it's coming. Oh, yeah. So, Natalie, you're saying, yeah, you love that when he said that he means more to me than you ever know. It was, again, it's sad, emotional. It's that pause, again, is he means more to me than you ever know. It's, and again, just voice work. What you can do with just voice acting, it's, it's great. So then that's it. That's the end of the episode. We only have one more. So next week. So what's going to happen next week? So like I mentioned before, next week, we our show on Saturday will only be talking about the finale of Mandalorian. That's going to be a whole show. It's going to take a long time. So it's been almost an hour just talking about this one. Apart from that, it's also our 50th episode. So next week is the 50th episode of Radio Rebellion. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big one. We're going to have fun next week. So what's going to happen? I don't even know. I have so many theories. Every week they change. But if we get Mando, Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, let's throw Cara Dune in there. Maybe Cop Vanth. And then Bo-Katan at some point to face against Gideon and those dark troopers and maybe someone else. Maybe the the magistrate comes back. I don't think we're seeing Ahsoka again. It's going to be a, I don't know. It's a lot to expect. I said it last week. I, I'll, I won't change for right now. I think Boba Fett is the one that dies helping. He sacrifices himself. He gives the Jaren Slave one. And that's going to be his new ship at least for a little while. I think Bo-Katan shows up. She, I, oh man, this is, I always been saying that Bo-Katan was the one that was going to fight Moff Gideon for the Darksaber. But after yesterday, I don't know, because now it's personal. Before it was, yeah, it's the story of the Darksaber. So yeah, it's going to be Bo-Katan. He has Grogu now. I thought Grogu was going to be taken in the season two finale. He took him before. So now it's on. It's gonna, like you say, Natalie, it's gonna be an epic showdown. I think it's gonna be Dean versus Gideon. Dean has his best coach staff against the Dark Saber, and then at the end, either he gives it to Bokatan or Bokatan. I don't see him having the Dark Saber, Saber by the end of this episode just because of what it means to rule Mandalore. He's not ready for that, so he might give it to Bokatan, or she said, Ah, you want it fair, you keep it. I don't see that either. Maybe I don't know. There's a lot that can happen next week. I mean, it's going to be something. So we'll have to wait and see. But what do you guys think? What do you guys thought about this episode in general? And what do you guys think we're going to be seeing next week? So go ahead. Let me know in the chat. And uh, also let me know in the comments what you guys think about this episode and what's going to happen next week. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. Ah, so yeah, like that's it. So next week, chapter 16, season 2. Finale is going to be something to talk about. Stay away from the internet as long as you can till you watch the episode. Make sure to join us next week. We're going to go deep diving into that finale. That's going to be the only thing that we're going to be talking about. Plus, we're going to, again, it's our 50th episode. So make sure to tune in. 
Oof, all right, now I'm taking my drink of water. We've been talking for an hour, that's a long time. We're supposed to be done already. I haven't been, I haven't started talking about Return of the Jedi. Oh man, every week is the same. So much Star Wars to talk about, it's difficult to keep it to an hour. Oof, all right, so if you guys are ready, yeah, you're right, Nicole. It's game on. Yeah, it's gonna be game on next week. It's gonna, oh man. I said it last week, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a long episode. Short episodes are working great. Next week, I don't know, there's so much. We'll see. All right, so if you guys are ready, let's go to a little segment I call Star Wars Rewind. Star Wars Rewind. Here we are talking about Return of the Jedi the last movie of the original trilogy released in 1983 when I was just a little wee baby. Not really, I was three years old. So Return of the Jedi, a lot of people consider, oh man, I forgot to stop sharing my screen and you're just seeing all my behind the scenes pictures. It's nothing bad there. I'm just scrolling through it. Trying, there we go, that's what I want. Anyway, so Return of the Jedi, you know how I do these rewinds. I started talking about the poster. So the, actually, before we before we talk about it, let me see one last comment back from Dale talking about Mando, saying, I think it's possible there will be a huge showdown, but it will be a failure in some aspect. We'll probably have a cliffhanger. Will it be Grogu or the Darksaber? <sighs> so I think one of those two storylines has to end. I wish it's not a cliffhanger in that sense. I think that Dark Saber has run its course and it should end this season. That's what I thought that was gonna be the finale and then they take Grogu. Well, they took Grogu two epi three episodes before the finale or two episodes before the finale. So it's going to be strange. Again, I'm not sure. I think the Dark Saber ends. I think that story ends. Does it mean that Moff Gideon dies? Maybe, but I think they already said he's coming back next season. So I don't know. It's, it's I don't know, Dale. You're posing these questions. All right, Return of the Jedi. So like I mentioned before, Return of the Jedi was the first movie I saw in the theaters. 1983, I was sitting in my mom's lap. I started crying when I saw Jabba the Hutt. Yes, I did. It's a big, hot slug monster. I cried. That's my first impression of Star Wars. But from then on, I've been a Star Wars fan forever, as you guys know. So let's start talking about the poster. So the poster for Return of the Jedi, iconic poster. We all love it. We have our heroes there, another Death Star. Death Star 2 in the back. Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker with his new blade, which here is blue instead of the green one. Han Solo, Leia and her slave, Leia, Alfred, Wookiee, I mean... We saw Java, we saw Ewoks, we have Lando. It's a great poster, iconic poster. So yeah, great poster. And I'll be remiss if I didn't mention, we all know this, but Return of the Jedi was originally called Revenge of the Jedi until George Lucas said, nah, Jedi can't have revenge. And he switched it to Return of the Jedi. All right, so let me say hi to someone that just came in, our friend Michael from the Tomb to Star Wars Network, talking about Mandalorian. He says they're going to escape and it's how next season will start. We'll see. And there's a lot of ways it can go. All right, so that trailer, I saw that trailer for The Return of the Jedi a few days ago. I'm gonna be honest, I forgot about it. I, it's an okay trailer. It's an 80s trailer, the, way, the things I talk about. 
it's we saw Java, we saw Luke, we saw part of the Java's Borge. I don't think we saw the Emperor. So it was an okay uh, trailer. Not I like the Empire Strike Back trailer better. But the voiceover was basically saying he was talking about return, returning to a galaxy far away and returning to the heroes that we know, and then return of the Jedi. And then shows a lot of clips from the movie. So it was an okay trailer. Nothing too too great out there. Uh, like I, I yeah, I saw it in 1993, but I don't remember anything about it apart from Jabba the Hutt. So a lot of my thoughts came, like I always said, for or the original trilogy was watching when they came back in the late 90s. So back then, before I saw them again, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie. This to me was the perfect Star Wars movie. I love this more than the other two. After I watched all three of them, I then preferred Empire Strikes Back and I hated the Ewoks. I'm sorry, I know everyone loves the Ewoks, but I didn't. When I saw this again, being 17 years old or however old I was when they came back, I couldn't. It's I understand what they mean, all the connections to the Vietnam War and those people building the great Imperials and all that stuff. And here we have the Ewoks doing the same with no, no technology, but I couldn't. I couldn't handle the Ewoks and still I'm getting there, but Ewoks, if you see my episode talking about best and worst alien species, Ewoks are right there. It's a joke. I know Ewoks are good. I had them as my as the worst alien species, the Ewoks, but or alien creatures, just in good fun. But anyway, so sometimes I would watch the movie and just skip the Ewoks part because I couldn't handle it. Everything else I love. Everything at the end of the movie is some of the best. So let's start going with it, through it. So one thing I'm not going to do about I'm not gonna be really talking about Java's palace and Java's barge, all that scene, those 40 minutes, because I did an episode about three or four, about four or five weeks ago with our friend Brian from Pink Milk. Our whole episode was talking about Java's palace. So I'm gonna be putting a link up here when I get, when this loads, I'll put a link up there so you guys can watch it. So I don't wanna repeat myself about something I just talked about a few weeks ago. I'll just say it's a, a lot of people say it's a completely different movie. It's two movies. It's the Java Palace scene and then everything else. And there's a lot of it. It's a great scene. It's we get introduced to a bunch of new characters. We see Boba Fett again. Uh, unfortunately, the end of Boba Fett at that point. Luke Skywalker being a Jedi Master and all that great stuff. So make sure to watch that episode. Again, I'll put the link up here tomorrow and then you guys can check it. So from that point on, they're, they're separated. It's very similar to what I mentioned about Empire Strikes Back, that it's structured very simple. You have Java's Palace first. That's once every, everything happens in Java's Palace. Then you have Dagobah and everything else on Endor, basically. So it's three settings for the whole movie. So it's very simple, but this one is a little bit more complicated, complicated in terms of there's a lot of back and forth jumping compared to Empire Strikes Back. But it doesn't matter, it still makes sense, it's easy to follow. So Luke goes to Dagobah. I mentioned last time in talking about Empire Strikes Back, how the scenes in Dagobah between Luke and Yoda are my favorite in that movie, and a lot of it is similar here. It's very short compared to it, but we have Luke going back to Dagobah, running into Yoda, and then Yoda's like, all right, forever sleep, earn it I have. Twilight is upon me and soon night will fall. 
that's the way of all things. This is the way of the force. Right before then, Luke says, Master Yoda, you can't die. And then he says, oh, I wish that was through. It's the way of the force. If you start thinking, Anakin, he couldn't, that wasn't Anakin. I'll find a way to save the ones I love. Dying to Anakin wasn't, he tried to stop that. So then having Yoda tell that to Luke is that nice parallel there they can see. And then Luke confronts Yoda, hey, is, Luke, is Darth Vader my father? And then, ah, tell you he did, unfortunate that was. Unfortunate that I know the truth. No, that he told you because you weren't ready. He told him, you're not ready to face Vader, stay and complete your training. He couldn't, so then Vader used that against him. So yeah, you, were, you weren't ready to hear that. The burden that that put on you was too much. And we obviously saw that at the end of Empire when he says, no, I am your father. Everything breaks down for Luke at that point. So Yoda's correct in saying, you weren't ready to hear that. So we didn't tell you because, again, you weren't ready. So again, Yoda, that great Jedi master, he doesn't miss not ready for the burden and then a jedi strength flows through the force again once once you start down the down path forever will it dominate your destiny again great meanings in star wars light and the dark another reason why i don't believe in great jedi why i did a whole episode about why great jedi i know a thing at least for me once you start down that dark path forever will it consume your net destiny so look i know you think you're a jedi but you gotta be careful. You, you're failure in the cave, going to the dark, and then at the end, I'll mention it now, I'll mention it again. When he's beating down on Darth Vader, he went straight dark, right? Until he cuts his arm and sees the robot hands, and then looks as looks at his own hand and say, "Oh, I'm going down that same path." Once you go down that dark path, there's no coming back. You're the new. Then, once I'm gone. The last of the Jedi you'll be. Come on, Yoda. Come on, Yoda. You know that's not true. <laughs> I understand. Back then, there was nothing, not all this new canon. Maybe Yoda didn't know about Ezra. He knew about Ezra because we see him in Rebels. Maybe he didn't know he was alive. He didn't know about Grogu or Cal Kestis and all these other Jedis that are coming out now. So it's funny now to hear that, but Luke hears that. Right after that, when he says, when I'm gone, the last of the Jedi you'll be. And then Yoda says, there is another Skywalker and dies. Then Luke is left with that. You're the last Jedi and there's another Skywalker. Okay, sorry, I'm dead. You deal with that information now. Luke's face, again, Mark Hamill, kudos again to his acting, his face. At that point, when you're faced with that information, yeah, we just confirmed that Darth Vader is your father. Yeah, you're the last of our kind of the Jedi, and you have a brother or sister because there's another Skywalker. And now you deal with all that information yourself. That's got a that burden. Again, you weren't ready for the burden that Vader was your father. Are you ready for all this? Then we have um Obi-Wan's ghost coming. We had that great conversation. Oh, from a certain point of view, you'll find out that most of the truth we held on to are true from a certain point of view sorry you'll find that a lot of the truth we cling to depend on our point of view which is another great star wars quote that we've used forever now from a certain point of view which then we just saw on that episode of mandalorian mando's his system of belief is 
the truth that is clean from his point of view. That's what the only thing he's known. And now it's being broken apart. So then you can say, oh, Star Wars brings something from 1983 still has meaning today for this ep this series that has no real attachment to that Jedi philosophy, but it's still there. So again, all that connections are, are great. And then Luke realizes that Leia's my sister. He realizes this and it's that at least some weight has been taken off his shoulder because he knows he has that connection now that he can go to someone if he needs to. Oh, all right, another water break. <laughs> yeah, and then of course we and again Skywalker. Is Anakin Skywalker my father? Well when Anakin, what does ah what does Ken always says when Anakin, or he fell to the dark side, a good man that was Anakin Skywalker ceased to exist, basically. Right, so then we get General Lando Calrissian. We have the Rebel Battle Room when they're getting ready to attack the Death Star. We have General Lackbar is there. Like another great quote that gets misinterpreted. Many buttons die getting bringing us this information. Everyone, yeah, the secrets to the to blow up the Death Star. No, it's that the Emperor is going to be personally for uh, seeing or overseeing the final stages of construction. And we know where it is, that's the information. And then of course the emperor said, eh, I let them know because this is all the rules, it's a trap. Uh, General Solo, again, Han Solo went from the scoundrel in the first movie. He still wanted to run away in Empire Strikes Back. He stays, but, and now he's a general in the rebellion. So a great character arc for Han Solo. He gives the Falcon to Lando, and I have the feeling I won't see her again. Um, another great scene, keep your distance, but don't go like you're keeping your distance. Fly casual. Um, yeah, Dale, you're right. Uh, Dale say nobody ever thinks Anakin is the other Skywalker because we get Leia later. That may be true. He might be referring to, uh, come on, Dale, again, you have those. Dale's always hitting out the part with his thoughts on he might be talking about Anakin Skywalker still believing there's good in him. Then from a certain point of view, it says up Anakin Redemption. You're right there. We'll get we'll get to Anakin's redemption. Was he really redeemed? He was in some people's eyes, not everyone's. Uh, so once we get to Endo, we get scout troopers. For the longest time, scout troopers were the coolest. Those were my favorite stormtrooper variant were scout troopers. I love their helmet. I still do. Scout troopers are awesome. We get that great uh, speeder bike chase on Endor. Uh, there's a scene in that chase when Luke's speeder gets caught with another, with one of the trooper speeder up front. And it reminded me of Force Awakens when Anakin Sansebulba's pot race gets get tangled together. Kind of reminded me, I'm sure everyone has said it before, but it's the first time I, I saw it. So we get Ewoks, and like I mentioned, ah, Ewoks, they're growing back on me, but it's, it's one of my least favorite parts about the movies, the Ewoks. Yeah, Wicked is great with his little spear. He's extremely cute when he's interacting with Leia. I understand everything and what people like about them. I still have a hard time with Ewoks. Uh, since C-3PO as a god is funny, and then he's like, oh, I didn't think I have it in me, when Luke uh, lifts him up. Is that what the force is for, Luke? Are you using it to make these creatures believe that this golden rod is a god? Come on, Luke, that's not what the force is for. 
we have a full look at the Rebel Armada for the first time. There were just a bunch of little ships in A New Hope. In Empire Strikes Back, we don't see them. We see the full might of the Empire, and we see some Rebel ships at the end. But here we have the full Rebel fleet attacking the Death Star. So it's great to see that. We have the Mount Calamari in their home one. And we all love that Mount Cal in the back doesn't know what he's doing. Just walking in the background, trying to press stuff. It's great. It's one of those things that why didn't they cut it? It doesn't matter. It's just so funny. Um, Captain Rex on Endor. This is another thing. One of those. Yeah, they are murder bears. Of course, they're murder bears. Oh, Dale, you're right. Those murder bears. Um, so Rex. So this is something that Filoni added. I guess there's this rebel scout in Endor that has that big white mustache and someone asks, oh, who's that? Is that Captain Rex? Yeah, yeah, that's Captain Rex. So that's one of the things that I really don't like. I I love Captain Rex. I said it. He's my favorite clone trooper. I love everything about Captain Rex. I'll defend him as long as I have to. I don't like him being that character because at some point, if you have growth acceleration, you can be fighting out there. I know you're a great fighter. We saw him in Rebels. He was already pretty beat up and pretty old. We just saw Boba Fett on Mandalorian, which is five years after this. He looks pretty old. Of course, he was in a Sarlacc pit for God knows how long, which that's going to beat you up a little bit. But he looks beaten up. And he doesn't have growth acceleration. So how old is Rex at this point? He has to be in his 70s or something. He's leading this battalion. I don't know. It's one of the things that uh, those head cannons. I don't like. Uh, I mean, we all have head cannons. I'll be one of my. That's not really Rex. But if you believe it, okay, it's great. It's good. The dead Ewok. Yeah, it is sad, especially that other Ewok that stays right beside it, doesn't leave his comrade, maybe his brother or sister. We don't know. He stays there. That is sad, but uh, it works. Uh, when Arthur is trying to open those blast doors and he gets shot, Trippie, oh, Arthur, why do you have to be so brave? Again, they hate each other. They love each other. It's Arthur and Citrico. That's why we're going to love that series that's coming with the droids and another another friend that's coming up. Give me one second. I'm, my papers are all over the... I always say I'm not gonna take too much, too many notes. I just want to sit down, sit down and talk, and then I take like four pages of notes. All right, so then we go to my favorite thing in the in this movie, and it's everything that has to deal with the emperor. So first off, at the beginning of the movie, we have Darth Vader going to the Death Star, confronting the admiral. Hey. He's, oh, he asked for the impossible. Oh, well, maybe you can tell him when he comes and he's most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. What, the emperor is coming here? We'll double our efforts. So from that point on, we're getting the emperor and you better get ready because he's not happy. And then we have the actual emperor, emperor arrival, which is one of the most, ah, what's the word, imposing shots in Star Wars, right? All the imperial ranks, left to right we have stormtroopers tie fighter pilots imperial officers everyone lining this terminal we have the imperial cruiser sit down Darth Vader is walking up he kneels down the ramp goes down there's smoke everywhere and then the emperor with his little walking stick starts walking down rise my friend it's one of the greatest entrants in all of star wars um, i love the way he says young skywalker the way he says young skywalker Love it. Ian McDermott, again, great. 
then Vader starts telling him, my, talking about the rebels in the Ender base, my son is with them. And then, are you sure? I felt it. Then the Emperor goes, Palpatine goes, strange that I did not. Are you sure your feelings are clear, Lord Vader? And then he switches and says, oh, he'll come to you, go somewhere, go to the Ender Moon, and he'll come to you. And then Vader goes, you will come to me. Yes, I have foreseen it. Dude, come on. 30 seconds ago, you said that you didn't feel that Luke Skywalker was there, and now you're foreseeing that he's going to be meeting Vader. Come on, I know you're the manipulating genius, but you just, come on, that was from the sleeve. You just threw that out because Vader wasn't in his, his right set of mind. I'm sorry, Nicole. You love the Ewoks. Everyone, I think I'm, I'm, I know I'm in the minority when it comes to Ewok bashing. That's okay. We all love Star Wars. I mean, I like Ewoks. It's just, I like making fun of, of not liking them. I don't like them. <laughs> um, so before then, I mean, after that switches, we have Luke and Leia chatting, where Luke is saying, oh, when she, oh, I don't have that power. You're, I can't imagine what you have. Well, the force runs strong in my family. My father had it. I had it. My sister has it. And then tells her, you're my sister. And she goes, I know. Somehow, I've, already, I've always known. And then we saw in Empire Strikes Back, they had that force connection when Luke tells her where he is on Cloud City. Now she's, yeah, I've known. So love seeing that reveal. And then they're schooling him. I got to go try to turn him back. And I love Han. We just talked about Han Solo and the growth of the character from this smuggler to now a rebellion general. And also in his relationship with Leia, he's always been standoffish and all that stuff. And then when he sees the Luke and Leia talking and Leia saying, oh, I can't, I can't tell you what he told me. Just leave me alone. And he walks away. And, oh, you could tell Luke. And he walks away, but then he stops. He stops and he comes back, he comforts her and he understands. So again, it's another growth in this character there that a few movies ago, he was just bolted. I don't care about this. He's like, no, no, I gotta go there. Let me see what's going on. So great on Harrison Ford, great on Han for doing that development. Then we have Vader and Luke, they meet in this walkway on Endor. It's a great scene. Uh, one of my favorite scenes between Luke and Vader, because this is when we finally see that there is conflict in Darth Vader. He's always been this menacing guy. And now we can see the conflict finally when he has that one-on-one -on -one with his son, right? So the first time, like I said, he seems conflicted. He grabs his lightsaber. Oh, you constructed a new lightsaber. Your skills are now complete. And then Luke says, come with me. You don't have to do this. And But Vader goes, I must obey my master. He's not there because he wants to. He, I must obey my master. He's not doing this out of free will. He knows he's being controlled, basically. Lugo, social feelings, let go, let go of your hate. What's the response? It's too late for me, son. Again, that's confliction right there. That's Vader. That's, that's Anakin talking. I'm sorry. That's not Darth Vader. That's Anakin saying, it's too late for me, son. I'm sorry. I can't do anything. I've give, given my soul basically to this guy. So I I can't see, I can't be, I, it's too late for me. So here's your master now. Huh. And then he says, he's your master now. And then Luke says, well, my father is truly dead. He walks away. 
the invader turns and he just looks to the horizon. He looks over this railway. He's defeated there. And, and that's what did it. That's what started his turn or his redemption is when his son says, then my father is truly dead. He just sits there. He doesn't go with him right there. He just sits there contemplating his whole life, basically. His son that you didn't know existed and all this gets thrown in your face. It's too late for me. My father's dead. And he's like, what? I got to do something. I don't, I don't. Yeah. Um. You think it would have been cool if the Emperor learned that Yoda had survived? I started thinking that when I was watching the movie, wouldn't it have been funny if at some point Luke Skywalker is talking to the Emperor and he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was training with Yoda the other day and he told me to come here and I'm ready. What, what? My little green friend was alive. I thought that little Yoda was dead years ago. I threw him all by the Galactic Senate, whatever. So it's been extremely funny. And again, it's here, um, whatever. It's You can go back. It would have been extremely funny if the Emperor learned that Yoda was alive all these years and he didn't find him. So Nicole is saying, yes, definitely Anakin, like he was returning to himself just like his grandson, Ben Solo. Ben Solo, we'll talk about it in two weeks. But yeah, there's always that conflict. And they've done a lot, a great job in the comics and even with Rebels and all that stuff, showing the not humanization of Darth Vader, but the conflict inside him. In the Lords of the Sith novel, they do a great job and all that Darth Vader comics, they see, they show that conflict. It's, it's great. Yeah, it's dark side. It's... So much in there. All right, so let's see if we can start wrapping this up because it's almost an hour and a half. We're gonna try to finish it in five minutes, which will be impossible. But I love how the Emperor calls Luke his young apprentice, very similar to Darth to Maul calling Ezra my young apprentice. So yay, connections, it's like poetry. So the great debate, did Vader save the Emperor or did he save Luke? When Luke grabs the lightsaber, strikes down the Emperor, Vader pushes lightsaber out. I've always said he saved the Emperor. Don't give me that. That's just hindsight that we're making all these connections now. But uh, we just said that there was Anakin Skywalker at that point saying, I've lost son. I can't go back and I, there's nothing I can do. So it... I'm inching a little bit closer to saying, yes, that was Darth Vader slash Anakin saving Luke Skywalker from going down the dark path. So I'll, I'll give it that. I'll say that it, it was that. Let me know what you guys think. And then we have that great lightsaber battle between Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker. Most people say that that's their favorite lightsaber battle, the emotions behind it, which is the most important aspect of a lightsaber is just the emotion behind it and the stakes behind it is great. It's the most athletic fight in the original trilogy. And it's it just shows you both great powers. The first time we see Luke Skywalker basically at his top form as a Jedi, because he's finally defeating Darth Vader. In Empire Strikes Back, Vader was dominating that fight 95% until that cheap shot that he got in. Here it's a even match and Luke Skywalker has the upper hand for most of it until Vader throws his saber and knocks him down. Again, give in to your, hey, come join me or whatever. And then, oh, your thoughts, oh, what does it say? I feel it's the same thing. Your thoughts betray you. I feel that conflict. And I think that's Luke for saying that. But then whether your thoughts betray you or uh, feeling for your friends or something, 
feelings for them is strong, especially for a sister. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. If you won't turn, then maybe perhaps she will. Never! And then he goes straight to the dark. And that's when the music changes. Luke Skywalker is beating down on Darth Vader. At first, you're celebrating. Yeah, finally, Luke is going to win. Darth Vader is going to be no more. He starts just seeing him. Vader is down, holding to that railing, blocking the shots. And, and Luke is just smashing, cuts his horn off, goes flying. He sees that mechanical hand. Looks at his own hand, and then again, I'm becoming the same thing that I'm trying to stop. Like Obi-Wan told Anakin, you're uh, you're supposed to stop the thieves, not join them, and all that conversation. It's the same thing here. If you kill Darth Vader in anger, you'll become him and then get closer to being the Emperor's apprentice. So he stops himself, and here we go. My favorite, no, what? One of my favorite lines in all of Star Wars, especially for the first 25 years of my fandom. And when people ask me, oh, do you prefer the light side, the dark side? Are you a Sith or a, or a Jedi? I go to this side, to this to this line when the Emperor says, oh, strike him down, take your side, take your father's place by my side. Lightsaber goes down, never. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. That's Luke Skywalker. That's the Jedi way. That's the light side. That's why I will always be a Jedi, not a Sith. I'm on the light side forever it's because of that line by Luke Skywalker, the way Mark Hamill delivered it. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. That's it. So right there, that's all that Anakin needed to hear at that point. Because even with everything that went down, he heard his son still have belief in him not just as a person, but as his father and as a Jedi. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Now, young Skywalker, you will die. <sighs> Force lightning for the first time. Everyone goes nuts. Father, please help me. No, throws the Emperor. So the redemption. Again, we know Vader's redemption. We know that we don't have to go over it too much. But then... So he throws the Emperor, he dies, so we know, Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, he throws the Emperor, Luke starts dragging him to the shuttle to get out of the Death Star before it, it explodes, and then he says, help me take this mask off, or you'll die just for once. Let me look on you with my own eyes. What does this remind you? It's a little show we've been talking about for the past hour, about Dean Jarin not removing his helmet just for the people that he really loves and showing him being vulnerable and wanting to look them not through behind a mask. What? We learned that from Darth Vader telling Luke, let me look at you with my own eyes. Come on, you've been looking at this guy for three movies now, but it's not the same behind a mask to be able to look at your son face to face, eye to eye. I understand why, but you'll die. There's no saving me. It's already there. You already did. And then tell your sister you were right about me. Come on. Emotional. And then we have the ending in Endor and the funeral pyre. Um, so this is the first time when I watched this movie last week when the funeral pyre took a completely different meaning for me. In terms of, I've always watched this and other people have made a comment. It's just burning an empty suit right because if if anakin uh transitions to the force there's only the suit in there 
who knows, maybe the body is right there till the end when Anakin Skywalker's Force Ghost shows up. But what I'm getting at, that's last week was the first time that I didn't see an empty Darth Vader suit getting burned ceremoniously. I saw Anakin there. For some reason, I knew that it was Anakin there fulfilling his destiny, fulfilling his journey, having this redemption in his son's, son's eye and with the Force. I got emotional. I think the first time I got a bit emotional seeing Darth Vader's suit being burned because it meant Anakin Skywalker. Um, and then we have the victory celebration. You can go either Yup Nub or victory celebration. Which one? Which one do you guys go? Yup Nub, victory. I've always been Yup Nub. I really enjoyed victory celebration this time. It's the best ending in Star Wars. I'll give it that. I know the ending to the prequel trilogy wasn't really a fun ending. You had this ending, and then you had the ending for Rise of Skywalker. Back in 83, there was it. No more Star Wars. So it's a perfect ending. It's my favorite ending in Star Wars is this one. Everyone's celebrating. All the different planets are celebrating. The Emperor statue is coming down on Coruscant. We see Tatooine. We see Naboo. We see, I think, we. I don't know if we see a Bespin again. But we see all these places. And then, of course, the Force goes come in. I mean, everyone's hugging. Lando's there clapping. And we see the three Force goes come out. Yoda, Obi-Wan, and Anakin Skywalker. So it's a perfect ending to Star Wars at that point, and I love the uh, sequel trilogy. We'll talk about it in two weeks, but at that point, this was the perfect ending. Bow, however. So, Return of the Jedi, another great movie. And with that, we call it quits on our look back, our rewind on the original trilogy of Star Wars movies. Oof, what a what a road it's been so far. We got three more movies. And not taking anything away from them, but I want to finish before the end of the year. So, like I said, in two weeks, it's just going to be everything sequel trilogy. We'll talk uh, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. It's going to be a great episode in two weeks. So before we wrap this up, let me see some last comments from my friend Dale saying that both Vader was saving Sidious because it is his destiny to kill him. Yes, you're right and have his essence taken beyond the point of no return. Yeah, that's what the Emperor wants. But also the conflict of saving his son from the same fate. Again, Star Wars have different meanings? Come on, Dale, are you sure about that? And you're also adding, now I am the master. Yeah, he sees, him, sees himself having Luke join him at that time. Luke's time will come to have Vader's essence, making him more powerful. Yeah, it's, again, Star Wars, it's, it's so much that we can take up. All right, and actually, it's not over. I got one thing to do, and it's we got one question in our segment we haven't done in a while, and it's Ask the Rebellion. We got one question in our Ask the Rebellion segment. I want to thank our friend Candace from the Geeky Waffle for sending her question in. And let me set it up real quick. I don't need this anymore. So Candace asks, do you think that Vader knew Leia was his daughter at the end? I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Did Darth Vader know that Leia was his daughter? He knows he has a daughter. He just learned that and tells Luke, tell your sister you were right about me. I usually say no, because this is just reckoning. Basically, at this point, there was no idea. Vader, how could he know that Leia was his daughter? He didn't say anything. You know what he did? If Luke 
when Luke was told that there was another Skywalker and that he had a sister, boom, like that he said, Leia's my sister. When Luke tells Leia, hey, you're my sister, she's like, I know that I've always known. So I think at that point, maybe know when Vader says, oh, you have a sister, maybe he'll she'll join us if you want. I don't think at that point he knows. But once he's let go of his hate, he's acting Skywalker again, and he's telling Luke, tell your sister that you were right about me. I do think that that, that Vader, that Anakin knows that Leia is his sister. And that's why he wants Luke to tell her, hey, you're right about me. There was always good in me because he knows everything that he's done to Leia. He doesn't want her to always have that memory of him. So I do think that he knew that Leia was his, his daughter. Uh, one thing I want to touch on that I was, and thank you, Geeky Waffle, for your question. So I said, so Vader, we talk about Vader's redemption, and it plays a little bit in Ben Solo's redemption. I know a lot of people are angry, I guess, about the way it all ended. Not that he was redeemed, but then died at the end. And there's a lot you can do with that if he survived. So we said, oh, but Vader gets redeemed. Why does Vader get redeemed and other people don't? He killed children. He's done all these horrible things. So I was thinking this week, I don't think Vader, I mean, we know Vader wasn't redeeming the eyes of the galaxy, right? In the eyes of the Republic. He was redeeming his son's eye. He was redeemed in Leia's eye. Those are the only people that really forgave him for what he did. I guess he was redeemed in the eyes of the Force to be able to join, become one with the Force. But the, the galaxy didn't forget Darth Vader. They didn't even know that he had been redeemed. They didn't know he was Anakin Skywalker. That's why in Bloodline, when Leia's running for Chancellor of the New Republic, what brings her down is that reveal that she was Darth Vader's daughter. And that's, oh, you have all this dark side in your family. How can you be our leader? So he wasn't really redeeming the eyes of the general public because no one knew that Vader was Anakin and killed the Emperor. So yes, that's redemption. It's a, it's a hard thing to, to discuss, all the implications about it. If Ben Solo had survived, yeah, he might have been redeemed in the eyes of the resistance that was there in Ray's eye. Would Poe and Finn forgive Ben Solo for everything that he did? Will the New Republic forgive him? Again, that's then a great story, how you have this character that did a great thing, was redeemed, because he did the right thing at the end, but has all this baggage behind and how he deals with that in this new world, then yeah, that would have been, been great. So they all like, you're saying, yes, he said, your sister, your thoughts betray you. If you know, you will not turn, maybe she will. Yeah, he knew, he knew it was Leia. And then they all like, I was saying, Bloodline covers more. Yes, there's a lot in Bloodline talking about redemption. You gotta read Bloodline again. That was the first new canon book that I read. I had so, heard so many great things about it. I went through it real fast. Gotta sit down and read it a little bit more. All right, so with that, we come to an end of episode 49 of Radio Rebellion. Thanks to everyone that made it here, all our new friends that came in. Uh, as always, make sure that you like this video, leave us a comment, make sure that you're subscribed. We have that giveaway in a few weeks. Make sure that you enter for it. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Radio Rebel Pod. We also have an email if you want to send me a longer message, Radio Rebel Pod at Gmail. You can listen to us on all your favorite podcast listening apps. 
new episodes drop on Mondays. And if you're listening to this on the app, please give us a rating, give us a review. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything, Radio Rebellion. Anything you want us to cover next season, let me know. And yeah, thank you as always. Great talking to you guys. Stay safe, be safe, and may the force be with you. Radio Rebellion.